0: Hey everybody, it's Dr. G. Thanks for tuning in to Spirit Tales and Magic, your podcast home for some great stories both about ghosts and paranormal things, and some magic along the way. Cassandra and I are out in the field, and right now we are sitting in a restaurant. We won't disclose the name of it. I have a fairly expensive noise-canceling microphone. And one of the sales points of this thing was you can sit outside and do a show, and most of the noise that is around you will be filtered out. Now, just a few minutes ago, we tested it. There is still a cell phone sitting under this mic playing the background music for the show, which you won't hear. I know you're not going to hear it because we did the test and I played it back and <laughs> no music. There's a lot of chatter going on around me. There are dishes clanking. There are people walking. So I don't know how much of that you're going to hear, but we're on the field. So there's that. I wanted to just start this and I know I've got some your friends who are listening and shaking their mo- mojo bags because I had run this by them and they're like, don't do it. Everybody listening, or I would say most folks who are listening, are familiar with Facebook. And you know that on Facebook, occasionally in your feed, something will just pop up. And you'll read it and just blah, I don't know what do I what what's going on. So you get this this long rant about Halloween, how it defiles and debauches youth, and it raises the devil to a whole new standard and that it should be outlawed, and that the children of the United States of America should not be. Privy to this type of evil. I waited several days and I went outside and stomped my feet and screamed and did all the wonderful things that you do to relieve tension and ranted back on a piece of paper and (laughs) burned it. And stop holding your breath, guys. I'm not going to be too bad. Probably gonna go a little bit too far, but hey, that's me. I'm just gonna say this. If you believe, well let's let's go back even further. If you believe in the textbook traditional devil and you believe that that said devil can live in a holiday on a piece of vinyl or a piece of metal that has music recorded on it or in a soap dish or a hairbrush or a type of automobile or a certain color of clothing. In my world where you're either part of the problem or part of the solution, you're part of the problem and you probably need to go see a shrink. It's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. Just like, The bullshit you spread is your opinion that I don't want to hear. Okay, I'm done. If we live in a world, I guess I'm not done. If we live in a world where everybody's rights in the current situations we're in must be upheld. Number one, that solution doesn't work because we're all human and and we all like different things we all believe in different things we're we're so worried about worrying what bathroom somebody goes to that we're we are missing a lot of stuff but if you have the right to spew that sort of thing and then if i have the right to get on here and spew whatever it is that, that i want to spew in my case you have the right to turn me off you don't have to listen. There's, you know, a switch or a knob or pink. No more Dr. G. He's not there. I try not to make you, force you to believe anything that I believe. And... All my filters are gone these days. Uh, someone said, don't, don't say you're an old guy on the air. You know, it's like, well, if I told you I did magic for five and a half decades, I'm certainly not 12, although I will admit sometimes I act like I am. So there's all that. So we're going to talk today about, uh, well, one more thing about Facebook, and it's because it leads into the show. You also are aware that occasionally you'll get asked questions like this particular question was in 1978, what type of automobile were you driving? So I answered driving a Trans Am. Yeah. About half of uh, our listeners have sent emails and says, was it the Smoky and the Bandit Trans Am? No, it it, it looked, it's that body style, but mine was gold metal flake with transparent brown over it with clear acrylic over that. It's a really sharp looking car, I thought. But I answered the question. I said, it was a Trans Am. And one of my friends from high school said, I remember that car. I was jealous. And I reminded her that she could have at any time ridden in that car. And I'm not going to mention this person's name because I, I don't want her to feel like, you know, she's been jumped. And um I didn't check with her first before I did this. So we will keep her anonymous. But she was my first crush. And we absolutely never ever became boyfriend and girlfriend. There was never any of that sort of thing that ever went on. But she is someone that I very much like to this day, that I deeply respect and that I miss. Told you all that to tell you that this wonderful young lady rescues Dobermans. Which leads us in to tonight. One of our other listeners who says, Doc, I want to tell you my story about my Doberman, but I really would like you to allow me to remain anonymous. And if you can't do that, can you just call me Dave? Yes, I'll just call you Dave. So back to the Dobermans. And I hope I don't mess this up. Like I said, we're out in a restaurant. I don't have a bunch of notes with me. But I believe the year was about 1880 when Carl... I want to say Frederick, Lewis, or Louise, however you want to say it, Doberman, began to breed this particular dog. Now, today, according to everything that I've looked at, the Dobermans are considered one of the finest protection dogs on the planet. They have a noble stature. They're incredibly smart. They have beautiful markings, and I believe the quote was these elegant qualities combined with a noble wedge-shaped head and an easy athletic way of moving have earned Dobermans a reputation as the royalty in the canine community. It's pretty cool. So I started looking at urban legends and if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, or if you know me from beyond the podcast, you know that we have literally researched hundreds and thousands of urban legends, and uh, we're, we're currently on working on a book about urban legends, which is probably another year out. A woman goes out for an evening with her friends. She stays a little longer than she felt she should, and she misses her beloved dog. Upon her return, she's greeted by her beloved pet Doberman, but the dog is having difficulty breathing. It's taking labored breaths and sometimes choking. She's alarmed and immediately puts the dog in the car and rushes it to her veterinarian the vet says that he's going to put the dog under some general anesthesia and try and remove the object or objects or if there's no object he's going to have to probably do a tracheotomy but he believes that he can definitely save her life but he wants the owner to go ahead and go home and he will call her it's going to be a long and involved procedure i promise you that i will do the best i can do this dog will live i promise she goes home she hears her phone ringing as she's approaching her door she hurries to the phone picks it up and says is she all right is my dog okay Now, she recognizes the voice of the veterinarian who says, get out, get out of the house immediately, drop the phone right now and run to the neighbors, run to the neighbors, call the police, get out of your house, get out. And she can tell that something is definitely wrong in his voice, so she drops the phone and she doesn't run, but she walks rather quickly to the neighbors. After knocking on the door, she explains to the neighbor what's going on. She goes in and she calls 911. And the police come to the house. When they finally motion her over, she sees an ambulance coming. She, she wants to find out what's going on. The police are like, ma'am, we'll talk to you in a minute. Just stay over there. Well, I have to use the phone. I have to call my veterinarian and and see if my dog's okay. Ma'am, you're going to have to do that from somewhere else. Just hang on a moment. So she runs back to the neighbors, calls the veterinarian. Is my dog okay? He's, where are you right now? Where? Where are you standing right this minute? She's like, I met my neighbors. Can you calm down? Has, has something happened? He's, no, the animal's going to be fine. It was fingers. It was human fingers. The dog is choking on human fingers. There's somebody in your house. Get out of your house. She again explains to him that he's out of the house. She goes back toward her house. She waits. She sees someone on a stretcher being put into the ambulance, and the policeman comes over, and he says, Ma'am, your house is clear now. You can go ahead and return home. And he's, we're going to be here for a while. There's some questions we need to ask you. In her upstairs closet was an unconscious male who had become unconscious because he had lost blood because three of the fingers on his left hand were missing. His right hand was clutching a machete. That is an urban legend. It's called the choking Doberman. Now, if we trace that back through history, uh, you'll find a fable about... Llewellyn the Great and his loyal dog, I believe it was Gilbert, But the oldest rendition of this story goes way back to around the 5th century B.C. It was a narrative, and I believe it was called The Omen of the Wolf. Now, throughout time, the animal has changed. It's been adobe for a very long time. There was a small period of time when pit bulls were all over the news, so the urban legend changed to a pit bull. There are some of the same urban legend where the animal is a skinwalker or where it's a bear or this or that. And when they're crazy animals like that, it changes from being pets to while we were camping and then you know face down on the campsite is it's usually a woman who's alone the perpetrator is usually a man he usually has some sort of weapon or rope or or something that would lead you to believe that he's going to do someone great bodily harm so that's an urban legend so that brings us to david david writes and i am reading this so i have not proofread it so David writes, hey, doc, I would like you to tell the story about my Doberman. He goes, please tell the whole story, and including the love that I had for my dog and how joyous it was later, and just call me David. Okay, so I'm reading ahead as I'm talking to you. So I have known David personally for, I don't know, four and a half decades. He's a good guy and he loves his dogs if I died and was reincarnated as a dog I didn't want to be one of his dogs or my daughter's cats one, one or the other so he has a Doberman that lived long beyond the lifespan of a Doberman but the dog got sick dog's name is Max so when you hear me say Max now it's the dog. So Max got sick, and David had to put Max down. And he was very sad. So I get a call from him one day, and he says, Hey, Doc, where, where in the world are you right now? And I told him, and he goes, Any, any chance of you, uh, you catching a flight up to Michigan because I I'd like to have you here when I get my new dog? I sadly could not do that. But we talked a lot about it, and in his writings here, he he said, I was ecstatic. I was the most excited pet dad that you can probably imagine. After a long search, greater than two months, I found a quality breeder that had been breeding Dobermans for over 10 years. They had nothing but good reviews and were never investigated by anyone I went by and met them. The house was clean. The facilities were great. I talked to two different local veterinarians who knew them and had nothing but good things to say about them. And I was finally confident that I could replace my beloved Max and move on, which he does. He goes to buy the talk. And he, he tells us that he, again, was like pet dad in heaven. So he played with a lot of you know his furry children and he you know he enjoyed himself he said he was there for over two maybe two and a half hours till he finally had picked the right dog uh, he calls me from there and that's not in the in the notes, but he actually called me from there and he says uh, hey, do you think it's bad if I name the dog Max?" why why would you ask me that he goes well you know because i know you and i know your history and i know about the psychology and everything that you you know i just you think that's bad so let me tell you what i think life is short and if that makes you happy you do it so max it is he has brought this beautiful transport crate and i've seen this crate and if i were tiny i would go sleep in it it's it's amazing so he spends some time he gives the new dog his new name the paperwork is is done and he signs it and they're gonna send it in so it can be registered and you know maximilian two is you know ready to go home and become a new member of david's house And that's where we go back to the story. I couldn't wait to be home with my new Max. I was excited about showing him the entire house and explaining to him that it wasn't just my house. It was our house. And I turned the corner and there was a police car blocking the road. As I looked over toward the top of the police car, I could see my house And I could see that the door was open. I saw two more police cars, a police van, and an ambulance. I was worried that something terrible had happened. And after explaining to Maximilian too that he'd have to stay just for a moment, I turned off the car and a policeman came over. And he said, sir, I'm sorry, you can't park that there. We have an incident. We'd like you to turn around and go back out. I explained to the police officer that I lived there and that I wasn't going anywhere. The police officer says, oh, so this is your house? Yes, sir, it is. It's my house. What do you have in the crate there, sir? Well, this is my new Doberman, Maximilian. Uh-huh, I see. And where's your old Doberman? Now, David says, you know, I didn't appreciate that line of questioning, so... I looked the policeman square in the eye, and I said, I don't believe that's any of your business. He's like, sir, could you leave this animal in the car? Uh, he'll be safe and walk with me over here. They walk me to my front door, he says, and I can hear a man screaming. He's screaming, help, get me out of here. Don't let this bitch bite me. Don't let her attack me. Get me out. I give up. Get me out. The police are not going in the house because they fear there's a dog or a crazy woman in the house. And David assures them that, no, there's not. The police enter the house. They find the man on the floor. He had soiled himself. He was laying on his stomach. In one hand, he had a bag tightly clutched that had some things he had stolen from David's study. And in the other hand, he had a pipe with some tape wrapped around it. And the whole time, he's like, just take me out. Just take me out. I broke in. I Just get me out of here. They handcuff him. They get him downstairs. They get him in the car. They're taking his statement. David says, the police insisted that I had an animal in the house. We went in and walked the entire house, and I assured them that there was no animal in the house and that there hadn't been for quite some time. The burglar heard the sound of a snarling, attacking Doberman. It scared him so bad that he soiled himself and laid prone out on the floor in fear of his life, screaming. The neighbors heard him and called the police. A snarling, attacking Doberman who had passed on a month or two prior to the incident. David says there have been no other incidents in the house. Maximilian two and I are enjoying a great life. And we have a picture of Maximilian I up on the wall. Right above the picture of Maximilian II. Said, I don't know what the man heard that night, but I would like to think that Max was protecting me from beyond. That's not an urban legend. That's a story from David. I've known David a very long time that uh, that incident actually happened. I have put a tiny bit of research into it. And the statement of the police say, yes, there was an attacking dog that he heard, and he said it he could feel the snarling and the barking behind him. So he played dead and hoped that the dog would not tear him up. What's your paranormal pet story? Do you have one? I'd love to hear it. We are also going to mention that October for us is, is a crazy, crazy month. And one of our other listeners writes in, and uh, this is Jeremy, and he says, Hey, Doc, my wife and I have renamed October as Doc-tober. Are you going to do the 30 days of podcasts that end in a show like you did last year? In answer to that, we're going to try. But like I said, October is our crazy, crazy, crazy month. And I love that whole October thing. That's That's yummy. I'm probably going to use that. We will try and do all those podcasts. Also in October is my high school class reunion. And I really, really wanted to go to that. But I'm really not going to be able to break away. We're going to work 100 hours a week in October straight through with probably not a break. So if there was one month at the entire scale of the year that I couldn't find five minutes of freedom in, trust me, it's October. But I want to wish everybody at the reunion well. I know some of the folks do listen to the podcast. Guys, girls, I would love to be there. And I miss a great deal of you but I'm just not going to be able this time to make it. I hope you are all well. And hey, I know for sure because of where you grew up, you have a lot of paranormal stories, and I would sure like to hear them. At some point, I would love to run into most of my listeners. I hope you come to a show or I see you in person at some other event or at a book signing, or at any of the other hundreds of things that we do. Send me your paranormal stories, please. Help us spread the word. Download those episodes and get your friends to do the same. And as we always say, remember, there is indeed a world unseen. A world that exists all around us, all the time. And every now and then, for whatever reason, we catch a glimpse of it and the dead get in. We'll talk to you probably tomorrow. And until we see you in person, my friends, we'll see you inside your mind. Good night for now.